Welcome to the Empowered with Marcos podcast. I'm your host, Marcos Hurtado, and my intention with this show is to share my knowledge, wisdom, and experiences to develop your mind, body, diet, and soul in an educational and entertaining manner. These episodes will consist of my own stories and talks, along with interviews with some of the great minds and souls that are part of my life. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Yo, welcome to the Empowered with Marcos podcast. And for today's episode, we have a returning very special guest. We have Andy Dita here. He's an online vegan personal trainer, and he specializes in strength training. And also, yeah, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic today when it comes to strength training. Not a lot of people talk about this or practice about it, probably because it doesn't have like the muscle fitness magazine appeal or things like that, or like the Instagram flex, 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 um, like, you know, flex post, but it can still lead to that. So today's topic will be on taking a more minimalist and patient approach when it comes to strength training. So Andy, again, thank you for being here. And also for uh, this topic, what's the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to taking a more minimalist patient approach to strength training? Well, first of all, Marcos, thanks for having me back. I know we had such a great time on being on your podcast last time Mm -hmm. and i'm glad to be back here first and foremost and that's a very good question marcos i feel like a lot of times when i talk about minimalism people think that it's mostly for strength training because that's primarily how powerlifters train they train two or three movements three days a week and their goal is to maximize strength gains but then when when people in the fitness industry they hear me talking about low volume training and things like that they think i'm trying to promote powerlifting and not necessarily mm-hmm. bodybuilding or people who are interested in aesthetics. But mm-hmm. my whole approach was that as a natural drug-free lifter, that, that so the main purpose should be to build whole body strength and through primarily basic compound movements. And I know that doesn't really have the kind of bodybuilding.com appeal, but that's been primarily my approach in my own training. And that's something I've always promoted with my own clients as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So yeah, it did me too just recently, like since you brought it up, I actually adjusted my program and actually seen like some huge benefit from it because um, before I started the program, I was working on more on stabilization and working on foundational movements again with mostly uh body weight. Cause I just dealt with a lot of like injuries of posture, um, a posture degeneration from driving so much, especially when um, last year when I was doing a lot of like lift and Uber in the South. So that put a number on my posture. So it took me a few months to just recover and bounce back. And now that I had that foundation, I just hit the ground running with the program that you recommended, which I thank you by the way. And I actually wrote my own program for the past, for the next six months last week. And um, it does consist mostly of, weighted weighted pull-ups and also doing one one um bench variation and doing the squatting the deadlift with the, with the barbells and of course like uh, like um what we're going to talk about in a bit is on taking small incremental incremental uh, small increments of a heavier weight so instead of throwing on 10 10 15 pounds when you're progressing you take a more smaller approach you add five more pounds you add 2.5 more pounds so that leads to my next question. Why is it better to, to um, go up in smaller increments in the long term? 
Well, first of all, Marcos, that was a very good question. I'm sure like a lot of the a lot of the listeners are wondering the exact same thing right now. But let me just preface that question by saying, um, so why should you even focus on progression, right? Why can't you just go into the gym and just do six, seven exercises and you know, like typically like what's typically recommended on bodybuilding.com, muscle and strength magazines, they all recommend seven to eight different exercises and that is primarily that won't necessarily work for a natural weightlifter because there's only so much volume you can you can recover from as mm-hmm. a drug-free lifter or else you're going to end up overtraining and so, so so basically what i'm trying to say is if you want to build a great physique as a natural weightlifter you have to get stronger and that progression and this is exactly where the progression comes in and so a mistake a lot of people make when they're progressing is they they add too much at once mm-hmm. like for example let's say in a workout number one you were doing about 225 for about five reps like typically what someone would do is they would come in and add 10 pounds like 235 mm-hmm. and they only get two reps and they wondered why didn't i get five reps again <laughs> it, yeah so every person so uh, about two percent of an increase in weight you're gonna lose reps so mm-hmm. what we recommend, what me and Marcos recommend is, is adding a micro load of weight. What we mean by micro load is basically a smaller increment per side. So instead of increasing the bar by 10 pounds, you increase it by 2.5 pounds. So that way you can still hit your rep target for that workout. So you don't lose reps. And, and what the really cool part about this micro loading is you can do it every single workout consistently mm-hmm. for about weeks at a time. You can do 237.5 for five. Then you come back next week and then you do 240 for five and 242.5. I guess you guys get the point by now is when you're adding small incremental weight, weight increases, you can keep it up consistently versus if you were to add 10 pounds to the bar directly, you're going to have to build those reps back up. For example, if you go from 225 to 235 you're going to lose three or four reps and you're and if you want to go back to your previous reps with your new weight that's still going to take more time Mm -hmm. right and you're also risking injury as well since you already did a huge jump in weight versus if you add a tiny bit of weight you can't even tell the difference whether you added more weight or not which is a really good thing since you're consistently adding that small increment Mm -hmm. definitely so on Moral of this story is basically be patient and add a little by little over time. For example, is like if you're getting 2.5 pounds stronger every week, of course, within like first two weeks, like five pounds, that's it. Especially for beginners, they're like, they could easily like go up like 10, 15 pounds over time until they hit a wall, quote unquote, or they plateau. And a lot of times they feel like they plateau because they expect the same progression as they did in the beginning. Exactly. So, so basically, they could just give an example. Like say, go back to a 225. If they're deadlifting 225, next you know they add 245, 255, 265, or even going by 20s every week. And they're progressing, getting stronger, doing two, three reps at a time. But next thing you know, once they hit the 275, 280 range, they start plateauing, just doing like one rep. Of course, it's still progression, but at the same time, they have that expectation of doing the same amount of reps with exactly with the with the, rating, with the weight increase. Let's just say they go up two point five pounds every week, and then through a span of several months, like three, four, five, six months, twelve months, 
do the math right there. What's 52 times 2.5? Hold on, give me a second. Pull up the calculator. I'm not Joe Rogan, so I don't have an assistant. So <laughs> not yet at least. <laughs> so let's do the math. 52 times 2.5. You go up 130 pounds in a year span. So That's you go quite. Yes. So, yeah, so your deadlift before was 225. 52 weeks later, it's at 355. How many people could say they went up on 130 pounds in a year? And yeah, that's an, it's rare. That's an insane amount of increase. Mm -hmm. And, like, what I – I definitely preface this by saying if you're a beginner, you can probably make faster increases, like you said, Marcos. Like, getting up to that 225 range on bench, getting up to that 300 – over 300 pounds on deadlift like you can get there with really fast increments but then it's gonna slow down and a lot of people expect that same rate of progression mm -hmm. like a year week after week after week and you're eventually gonna plateau which is why the micro loading is key or you can also like periodize your training in a different way which kind mm -hmm. of comp which kind of complicates it a little bit which is why i think i think adding small increases of weight keeps things simple keeps things fresh and you'll see that weekly progress even though it's not as fast you're still see progress is still progress either way exactly yeah. so uh two questions that i'm gonna ask for the audience that isn't aware two things one why you're supposed to train differently from people that you know take performance enhancing drugs and because you mentioned it two three times already and the second thing is for people aren't aware of it um, what's period periodization okay Okay, so when you're a natural weightlifter, your recovery capabilities are limited. Like your body only has so many resources for you to build muscle, for you to adapt to your training. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these bodybuilding programs and these muscle magazines are primarily made for people or, or enhanced. Like there's only so much volume. Like by volume, I mean the number of sets, reps, and exercises per workout there's only so much of it you can handle until you're overtraining by overtraining means you're doing way more than your body can adapt because here's the whole here's how you build muscle right you go there you break down your muscle tissue and you come back and you come back stronger and your muscles grow as an adaptive stimulus to your training and if you're doing too much of it your body can't do that that's mm -hmm. the so as a natural weightlifter if you're if your goal is to build more muscle you primarily have to get stronger because the volume is out of the picture for now at least for temporarily once you're already very strong and you're plateauing to increase strength week after week then you can bring in more of the volume work to beat your plateau but mm -hmm. for the primarily if yeah, but that's more of an advanced approach like my approach is primarily for beginners intermediates once you've already very very strong then you can play around the volume work and volume definitely does have its place in their training in a lifter's training regimen even if you're natural but a lot of people uh mistake what's that quote mistake the trees for the grass i'm, I'm probably messing this up uh, what's that quote <laughs> i'm not too sure honestly i think i've heard of that one yeah there's yeah. a good quote for that there's like uh. missing I don't know, but I'll just stick to I'll just stick to talking about fitness and no more quotes. But Got it. I'll take a <laughs> yeah, <quotes. so> like, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, for the uh, for the people in the audience that aren't aware, the word volume means the amount of work that's being done. So the repetitions, the amount of sets, the amount of uh, days you're working um, 
per week. So basically, like the amount of volume being done. Oh, so your other course was periodization. What I yes. mean by periodization in simple terms is basically a fancy word of saying varying your rep ranges, varying the exercises from each training block. Mm-hmm. For example, a training block uh, could be anywhere from eight to 12 weeks. And if you're more advanced, it can be about four to eight weeks. And a training block is where you keep all of the exercises and the rep modalities the same. And you aim to progress on those certain rep ranges, the same exercises for a certain period of time. Mm. And then when you plateau or when that training cycle is over, then you kind of change the exercise variation. For example, you might go from an incline bench in one training cycle to a bet to a flat dumbbell press or vice versa. And you basically periodize your training by changing one or two modalities. Like for example, like I said before, the, the exercise variation or the rep modality, for example, in one hypertrophy training cycle, you might be training in eight to 12 rep range. And then in the next training block, you might be training in the three to five rep range. And it's depending on what, what your goal is at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, um, so let's just say someone's hearing about this, about taking, you know, a more strategic and minimalist approach to train training. It sounds great to them, but they're not too sure where to start. And at the same time, they have certain habits that they want to, you know, decondition from that to empty the cup in order to, you know, absorb a new information. What is the first step someone should take to start a new program? Okay, so first, if you're already making tremendous progress, if you're adding weight to the bar, Every, if you're, all right, I'll preface this by saying if you're a beginner or intermediate, you've been in the gym for less than a year and you're coming into every workout and you're adding weight, adding weight, and you're seeing visual progress in the mirror, like your waist measurement is going down and you just feel overall better, don't change anything regardless of what me and Marco say. You don't have to change anything if you're seeing progress. So the person I'm thinking of when I'm giving this advice is someone who's been lifting for more than a year who has already milked their newbie gains. And now they're like, in the beginning, I was making amazing progress. Now I can't add weight to the bar. Now I'm going into every workout six, seven days a week and I feel exhausted. Like what's going on? In the beginning, I saw amazing muscle growth. I felt great. But now why am I plateauing? Well, if you're if you happen to be in this scenario, then you need to analyze your your training journal. If you're not adding weight to the bar consistently, then something needs to change. Whether whether that whether that is the number of exercises you're doing, whether that's the number of days you're not resting, or they need to ch- think about changing something in your routine. And so this goes to my point is. Most people, when, they're, when they hit this stage, they're doing way too much volume, like we talked about. They're in the gym way too many days. Like they're doing more weight training days than they are doing rest days. And this is very, very hard to progress with if you're, if you're a natural weightlifter. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right, cool. So speaking of natural weightlifters, I had to say we have a natural weightlifter who, like you said before, knocked out all the newbie gains. They're doing great, but they feel like they plateaued. And they've met someone at the gym that, you know, has been taking stuff and they're interested in taking, you know, substances themselves. But they're being very indecisive of it, but at the same time, they're tempted to do it. What advice would you give this person? Honestly, my biggest inspiration 
as as natural lifters as as natural weightlifters are the old school lifters in the past, mm-hmm. as like Eugene Sandov and people like that. This is before the pre steroid era, so obviously PEDs are out of the picture, and they had amazing physiques. They were uh, completely chiseled. They were incredibly strong, and a lot of these guys were circus um, strongmen. So mm-hmm. they were pressing more than their body weight overhead. They were doing all kinds Whoa. of amazing. Yeah, like they they had these barbells. I'm not. I'm probably butchering the name of it, but I'm not sure what they're called. But they would press them overhead in different circus shows and things like that. And they were honestly my biggest inspiration. And for so primarily, the reason most people want to take PEDs is they don't know what their true natural physique is mm-hmm. capable of. They don't they haven't experienced what real training is. They've only been only been coming into the gym and doing fluff and pump work like they have during their newbie gains phase. And then once that's gone, they continue doing what got them there. And then they plateau for the rest of the rest of their life. And they think I have to take PEDs to get to the next level. Mm. But the thing is they don't, they have a, their training program hasn't evolved from when they were in the beginning stages. So they, they, take PED so their old program their old fluff and pump program still works for them mm-hmm. after the new begins phase mm-hmm. that's primarily the reason why most people take PEDs and like I have nothing against that but like I know competitive bodybuilders they they kind of have to take it to get to the next level but I'm more thinking of the average gym bro who who wants to turn to PEDs because his fluff and pump program from his beginning of this training career stopped working yeah so for clarification fluff and pump is basically going to the gym <laughs> just to get a quick pump you know doing like drop sets on dumbbell curls and tricep extensions and expecting to make like progressive growth based on that of course that's not going to happen and also too just to add on what you were saying is other suggestions too is if you feel like you really don't want to you feel like you're being like like feeling external peer pressure just um, don't associate yourself with those people and don't either like online or in person and also don't follow their programs either because those programs are fit for them. That's what works for them because they may have a genetic advantage, uh, genetic advantages that you may not have. Exactly. They may also, like I said, exactly. they're also taking substances that you don't have as well too. So keep that in mind and also just so associate more with progressive strength training programs and also learn more from experts that, connect with you like i made a video on this i think like a week or two ago i'm looking for a coach or advice from people that you could associate with people that you could relate with for example someone that you know have quote-unquote average genetics but they have the proper work ethic mm-hmm. that's what you have look for coaches that's that have that type of practice so basically find the ones that resonate with you not with the ones that resonate with a magazine cover or an edited uh instagram picture again nothing wrong with that but we're just telling how it is that's that's what really is going on we're basically uncovering the veil when it comes to like the fitness industry especially with bodybuilding and strength training and building muscle exactly dropping true bombs yeah being like being a woke lifter (laughs) it's like there's there's a lot of deception and uh and lies out there and while we're while being on this topic um what's your thoughts on people offering scams in the fitness industry and how and what type of advice can you give people and how to look out for them and how to avoid them yeah definitely man but first i wanted to expand on something you said i couldn't agree more when you said that um so 
when you said like look up to people who are have the same work ethic as you i completely agree with that and and most of the people that are doing these fluff and pump programs not everyone that is, that's doing that are on peds some people you always see some genetic outliers like some people who are phenomenal genetics that can row and build strength on any kind of program mm-hmm. and if so basically the approach of building whole body strength is going to work regardless of how bad your genetics are that's what's so cool about this style of training because as you're when you're getting stronger your body doesn't have a choice it has to grow to adapt to that stimulus mm-hmm. and this style this approach to training works for everyone regardless of what your individual recovery capabilities are because we always recommend resting more days than you're in the gym mm-hmm. so it allows you to come back stronger and your second question was how to avoid scams in the industry i don't know where to start man like <laughs> i see i see way too many left and right i think i don't want to call anyone out but i think two three years ago there was a big supplement company scam um it's okay i can just say the name i can just say say it. It. call them it's called shreds i don't know if you've heard of that company it's yeah it's a supplement company oh called God. shreds I remember and, that. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> oh, my oh my god. It was like dead obvious that they're the schemers, especially the influencers they're using and all the fluff that they were using. And uh, it's not necessarily calling them out or like tonky shit or anything like they're putting people down. It's saying things how they are. Cause we work in this industry and you know, we do our best to be to do our practice with, with integrity, not just for our own selves, but also with our clients and our audience. But some people, they just want to make a quick buck and are willing to pull the strings and make people, like manipulate people emotionally, you know, to, you know, sell them shit, to make a quick buck out of them. And this is a perfect example. So basically, it's like, like I said before, we're pulling off the veil when it comes to the fitness industry. But yeah, proceed. Shreds. Yeah, what I was saying was that like uh, a lot of these scams are typically through like transformation contests. Where- mm-hmm. A lot of them are fake before and afters. It's just a lot of different deceptions in different in different areas, and mm-hmm. that that uh, it's very hard to avoid if you're very new to lifting because there's mm-hmm. scams left and right. There's more transformation contests. There's like uh, a lot of bogus supplements that don't even work. Like like yesterday, I was at with dinner with one of my friends, and mm-hmm. I looked over at the TV, and there was a testosterone booster ad, which I thought was hilarious. It's just one of the, it's just there's just so much you have to avoid. And I think part of the way you can avoid that is becoming a little bit more knowledgeable in this space, you know, whether you want to, whether you hire a coach that you resonate with, whether you find a book that you really like from an author in the fitness Mm -hmm. space, just find a way to become more informed in in, in this industry. I know it might seem like a lot if you're just a guy who wants to get in shape, who Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily want to invest so much time in fitness all of this might seem overwhelming, but I think hiring one great coach can help you in the leaps because they've already been through what you've been through. They've already been scammed. So mm-hmm. they're, they're going to help you avoid being scammed. And I think the fastest way to get more predictable results is either do hours and hours and hours of research or hire one good coach that you really resonate with that has the kind of physique you want that that can that's approachable mm-hmm. that understands where you're at mm-hmm. has a good head on their shoulders about anything nutrition 
training wise and i think you'll be ahead of all of your friends gym bros that are into the fluff and pump tra- training fluff and pump. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm saying that now <laughs> usually i will say that like quick pump workout but fluff and pump i like yeah. that one it sounds funny but anyways yeah. um Oh, and abs- thing, the yeah. fluff and pump guys, it's usually another, uh, it's usually involving a Bosu ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually uh, <laughs> probably like a Bosu ball workout or yeah. having a full day dedicated to abs. No. Oh. <laughs> so nothing wrong with uh, with Swiss balls. Oh, Bosu balls are my Bosu balls. Eh. I mean, they have their place when it comes to, you know, changing, like work on proprioception. But when it comes to like straight up strength training, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah because part of strength training is the first step of strength training is stability if you're not stable how are you supposed to exert the proper energy to to accelerate the movement and to decelerate and also the isometric of course so proper stability is needed both bar is against that yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so um going back to what you were saying before about looking for a coach adding on to that is also knowing there's a major difference between just someone as a trainer that's interested just in themselves and just regurgitating, regurgitating what they learned to other people compared to an actual coach where they actually sit down and actually listen to you and see what you need, see what are your weak points, see how you can progress, see how you learn best, see how you progress properly instead of just someone that just, just copy and paste their own workout to you and doing like no modifications. So basically looking for the right coach, like you were saying before, like the ones that listens and are able to modify accordingly to what you need one and can do. Yeah, exactly. I think finding the right coach is key. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, cool. So going along from uh, strength training, but going on, of course, like I said before, we're both vegans. We both eat the plant-based diet. So we, this question has been asked so many times, but we still have to bring it up again. So when it comes to doing strength training, what is the best way to eat like calorie wise, timing wise to, you know, build strength and muscle from your, from your experience? From my experience, like if you would have asked me two, three years ago, I would have hundred percent said calorie surplus. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I don't think that's 100% necessary because mm-hmm. um, whenever I recommend a calorie surplus for a client, they always end up w- eating way over their calories Like because most people, they don't have like an exact number or an exact, um, exact number of calories in mind. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, what I recommend is eating roughly your maintenance. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you eat, whatever you eat, per day to maintain your weight just eat that amount and especially if you're a beginner or an early intermediate your body's gonna recomp even if you're eating at maintenance Mm -hmm. because if you're eating because let's say that you're about 170 175 pounds and you're very new to weightlifting you you typically eat about 2500 calories a day and let's say you start a proper strength training program no more fluff and pump you start a proper strength training program you're progressing every week you're adding weight to the bar you're tracking your lifts but you're only eating 2500 calories per day which is what you eat to maintain you might stay at the same weight from year one to year two but if you look in the mirror you're going to look significantly different because you've Mm -hmm. definitely recomped like if you were 170 and you're benching 185 and at the end of the year you're still 170 and you're benching 225 you got stronger, but you stayed at the same weight, which mm-hmm. means you improved your relative strength, 
Mm-hmm. And the best indicator of body composition is your strength in correlation to your body weight. Mm-hmm. Like right before I even see a client, a photo of a client, I have a good idea what their body composition is based on their height, their weight, and their strength. Mm-hmm. The stronger you are compared to your body weight, the better shape you're going to be in. Because if you're, because think about it, what's more impressive, right? A person who's 225, who's benching 225, or a person who's light 170 and benching 225, that indicates high level of muscle mass with low levels of body fat. So in the previously, I would have recommended a calorie surplus, but I don't think that's necessary for mm-hmm. those beginners and intermediates. You'll probably see, you'll probably be leaner and make better gains if you eat roughly your maintenance, but but you have to ensure you're, you're getting enough protein, which mm-hmm. is probably the next thing I was going to talk about. Um, and you actually don't need as much as what bodybuilding magazines recommend. Mm-hmm. The studies show that you only need about 0.82 grams per pound of body weight. So if you're about 170 pound male, you would probably need about 130, maybe at max 140 grams of protein per day. And that's not, that's not very hard to hit at all. Mm-hmm. Been on a plant-based diet, just throw in a few bowls of green lentils and chickpeas and mm-hmm. you're good to go. And if you still feel a little bit paranoid, I know a lot of people in this space, when they're when you're trying to maximize muscle growth may feel like that you can even throw in an an organic plant-based protein powder if you feel that's necessary but Mm -hmm. in my experience i haven't found that necessary at all yeah i'd usually keep the protein powders too sometimes not too often Mm -hmm. it's just whenever like i feel like i have to like right now like i said the past two weeks i started like a heavier program I have been a lot hungrier. I've been eating a lot more calories, but you know, just to make up and recover the uh, all the all the calories, just to you know build up the muscle again and just recover my body. And um, something else too that I've been experimenting with over the past few months is taking a more intuitive approach when it comes to eating. So a lot of times, you know, we want to meet a certain certain uh, amount of calories, but we're not hungry, and I've seen people like force eat themselves. A lot of times you just have to go through how your body feels. If you feel satiety, if you feel satisfied, and that's it. Maybe you don't have to eat more. Maybe the next day when you recover, sometimes this happens, you get hungrier all of a sudden. Because uh, I used to do 24-hour fast every like Thursday night to Friday night. Not no more. <laughs> Not no more. I began to have a hunger at 9 a.m., like that uncontrollable hunger. I'm like, oh, God, what, what do I do now? I have to start carrying food again or I stop by the grocery store and just get, get some bananas or something. I'm like, yeah, it's like I'm starting to get a lot hungrier now. I'm starting to get stronger, starting to lift heavier. So um, just going with how your body feels. I know you have a different approach because it's more a little more structured. But for me, because um, I'm also a strength coach, but also like focus on wellness and take a more holistic approach, I do like take a more intuitive approach when it comes to listen to your body, listen to your – like checking your posture, um, seeing how heavy you have to go that day, seeing how much and what you have to eat. But um, but we have to uh, address this too. When it comes to strength training and building muscle, you can still take a very, very healthy approach when it comes to your overall lifestyle and your diet. There's no need to sacrifice anything in your life in order for you to build muscle. Basically, being patient with the process and making adjustments depending on how your life is. So um, the book that I'm reading right now, the one that you sent me, yeah, what's the name again? It, it's it's on ebooks. I can't see the cover. So what is it called again? 
it's called Beyond Brawn, and that book, like, I'm so blessed to have found that to have found that book earlier in my lifting career because mm-hmm. it it basically gave me the uh, basically gave me like a starter manual on on serious lifting because before I I only joke about the fluff and pump because I used to be that guy you know? <laughs> because I, until I found out about that book and. I just read cover to cover because it's actually a 500 page book, but I mm-hmm. think in some places it's a little bit repetitive, but the overall yeah. message is the same, you know, pick a handful of key lifts and aim for poundage progression week after mm-hmm. week. And basically, basically just continually progress and your appetite's going to take care of itself as you're progressing. Mm-hmm. Just, eliminate the unnecessary you know eliminate all the junk volume mm-hmm. i think there's a new word for 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 certain exercises that don't really belong in your program it's called junk volume and junk volume. i kind of like that term i like it too yeah because like it's not necessary just throw it out like you said yeah. having a more minimalist approach to stick to what works like you're saying before the uh, bench variation deadlifting squatting pull-ups dips or chin-ups too chin-ups um overhead pressing and then throwing a few like face pulls curls maybe tricep extensions here and there but not making that the priority making the priority the main movements where you build the foundation resting properly because um i forgot to mention this but uh andy and i we did meet up when i was in uh in portland a few weeks ago Yep, and we didn't have the chance to record, so we 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 are recording it right now. But uh, we were doing five. You're you're doing five minute rest periods. Like I've done two three minute rest periods before, but five minutes that was the first. That was the first for me. And honestly, I was like, by the third minute, I was like, bro, I'm ready to start lifting again. <laughs> I was just like jumping in place, I'm like I'm ready to go. And uh, it was interesting five minutes because then again, you were going like max volume on the incline bench, and I understood why. And um, for me, that was the first time I did an incline bench, I believe, in months. I think I want to say like in three or four months, the first time I was doing an incline bench. And for me, of course, I was like, I wasn't too confident to do like a one, two rep max at the time. So I didn't need that much rest. So it was interesting to see it from like from your view. I was like, oh, interesting. It was like going for the two, exactly. two, two three rep max, but a five minute rest. I was like, huh. So I just took some notes down, mental notes. So my, my, uh, my n- interpretation of that was that if you're only in the gym three days per week and you're only hitting that lift once a week, mm-hmm. that you have, no, you have no room to mess around, right? Because you're only mm-hmm. in the three days a week. You, you got to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And if we understand that muscle is a byproduct of strength and you look at your training journal and you hit a certain rep range, mm-hmm. you want to push the envelope a little bit further. And if you're rushing through your workouts, you're never going to give your hundred percent to that one set. So why I always recommend three to five minutes is to make sure you're present in every single set. Mm-hmm. Don't rush through your workouts. Just aim to nudge up a little bit more weight on that certain lift. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about earlier in the podcast, that little bit of weight may not make a difference right now, but if you continue that progress for over a year, you'll be a, you'll basically have a completely different physique by the end. Like I have clients who started who couldn't even do chin ups with their body weight. Now they're repping forty, fifty pounds from their 
waistline. Solid. They're doing chin-ups, yeah, with perfect form. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of progress that makes huge visual changes in your physique versus going into the gym and doing five, six, seven different exercises and just doing lots and lots of volume. Don't mm-hmm. be mistaken. Like volume does have its place in your training, but I think most people will see even better gains if they save the volume work for after once they're already very, very strong. Because mm-hmm. think about it. If you have, if you're all of your lifts are very advanced and you stack volume on top of those advanced lifts, you'll see even better progress, even more phenomenal progress. Mm-hmm. I think volume work should be saved for once you're already advanced and if you want to go to even the next level like for example if you're already very very advanced like over like deadlifting over five six hundred pounds like it's gonna you're gonna increase the risk of injury trying to add another hundred pounds to that oh yeah instead of yeah instead of trying to do that just stack more volume do more Mm -hmm. volume and just increase the amount of sets you're doing maybe more days in the gym but mm-hmm. I think most people try to do that in the beginning of their journey instead mm-hmm. of saving it 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to be on the podcast with you sharing that with, with your audience so they can avoid some of the mistakes that I've done in the past and they can hopefully learn from that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just being patient. That's the main thing. Being patient from the very beginning just knowing that it's going to take time. And like we mentioned on our previous episode is just being present. And like you, like you said before too, like in a few minutes ago, just being present in the moment. We talked about this before the power of now, probably one of the best books ever is just being immersed in the whole process, making sure you're properly hydrated, making sure you like feel the water while you're drinking it. Step one, that way you're being present with every single thing you're doing, being present with, how the barbell feels, how the weight feels when you're putting it like on the barbell, every little detail, be immersed in it. And trust me, you're going to be just be focused on the weight. And that helps out so much. If you're like, being distracted by surroundings, by people walking around, by what other people are doing, by how other people are looking, by things you have to do like later in the day, you're just being distracted. You're not being in the moment and you're not being able to be immersed in the process and that extra the extra uh, rep you had in mind probably isn't going to pop up because you're busy being distracted and you're not able to go 100, 110% on your training. So just being fully focused and being present in the moment while training is probably the best thing you could do. We could give you all the tips, all the, uh, the right programming. You could take the, uh, eat the best nutrition, get the best sleep. But if you're not focused, if you're not present in the moment with your training, you're holding yourself back, period. So I have to say that's easily one of the top five things you have to do. If not like number one or number two on, on like on your priority list when it comes to your training is just being focused and present in the moment. Exactly. And I think one of the thing I wanted to touch on that you kind of touched on is that, is that being present, but also being focused in that moment, because when you're present, all of your best qualities come from that mm-hmm. presence. Cause I know a lot of people they're in their head a lot before they go into a certain lift mm-hmm. and they can't hit a PR because if they're always thinking oh my god I gotta add a rep I gotta add a rep they're not gonna hit a rep because mm-hmm. if you because if you're in your head a lot and you have this well you should put the pressure on yourself it, it's kind of like a it's a little bit weird because you have to put the pressure on yourself but you have to be present in the moment when you're about to do so like mm-hmm. if that makes sense 
Yes. Because if you look at the best athletes or like an NBA player when they're about to take a free shot, mm-hmm. if you look at them, they're completely immersed in that moment. They're not mm-hmm. looking at the crowd. They're not looking, oh, shoot, if I don't make this free throw, we're going to lose. Like mm-hmm. they don't think they don't have thoughts like that. You know, they're mm-hmm. completely grounded. They're they're present to the moment and they just do it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of presence that you need to be really, really successful no matter what, like whether it's fitness or any other endeavors you might do. And being present just brings out the best kind of qualities. Like you tend to lose that neediness that you have. Like I have to lose weight. Like I have to do this. Like you lose, when you're present, you lose that neediness. That you mm-hmm. want. Why do you want it so bad? Why do you want it so bad? Right? Because mm-hmm. when you're present, you lose that neediness and everything you want, it just becomes way closer. And you're also enjoying, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's only so much you can do, right? You can mm-hmm. go to the gym three days a week and you can lift. There's nothing else you can do. Like no matter how much reading about fitness, no matter how much Instagram quotes you do, you can't accelerate your progress, right? Mm-hmm. And being present teaches you that day-to-day patience, you know, like getting the days right getting the days right, getting the months right, and then the years right. And that's where you have a good chance of going somewhere with that. And I think your point about being president is spot on, Marcos. I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought it up. Yep. And also to add on to that, being present while resting, being present while eating, yeah, while stretching, lengthening the body, because, you know, we're putting a lot of stress in our body. So, you know, we have to lengthen the muscles too, because they're contracting a lot. We got to, you know, lengthen the muscles a bit more just to, you know, let them recover and rest properly and also to reduce the risk of injury and also to address muscle imbalances. And also too, being present while before sleeping is finding like a little like pre-bed ritual. That way you go to bed like and you're able to rest properly, get the proper sleep instead of, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with your brain, brain racing and not recovering properly. Just being able to like plan your rest properly and just being immersed. I know it sounds kind of weird being immersed in the resting process while you're sleeping too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sleep is definitely another aspect that we can probably cover if you want. Um, if you're, if you're not sleeping enough, you're just going to feel off. Mm-hmm. like just in your day-to-day life not even fitness related you're just going to feel a little bit off and mm-hmm. you, if you really want to maximize recovery you definitely want to get more than eight hours of sleep i know everybody already knows that so i didn't i didn't bring it up and it, mm-hmm. and, and for a lot of people it's it is easier said than done mm-hmm. like i'm in university right now i can be more flexible with my sleeping schedule and i know a lot of people work really really early in the morning but i think i think everyone should at least make an effort to go to bed early and wake up around the same time just to make sure your recovery is on point and you can come into the gym stronger every workout and which eventually will yield better progress in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well said. Well said. All right, Andy. So I know you're a busy man. You got to get going. So do you have any like last, last words or a final like takeaway for our audience? I would say, I would, if I could go back and tell my younger self when I was first started lifting, I would say track your lifts. Mm. That's it. Just just track your lifts because if you're tracking, that'll let you know what the standard is for that certain lift. And it kind of gamifies your training. Like last workout, I did this amount, let me go and beat that. And once you stop progressing, you start to look at your lifestyle. Like, hey, yesterday I didn't sleep that much. Let me increase my sleep. Yesterday Mm. I kind of ate too little let me optimize that and all of that stems 
from you tracking your lifts. Mm-hmm. Now you have an, now you know exactly what you're not doing or should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think tracking your lifts can make a huge difference in your training and you can induce progressive overload like we were talking about earlier in a progress mm-hmm. and really see the kind of results you want. And and it also lets you know if you're doing too much junk volume because if your <laughs> lifts are not if your lifts aren't shooting up chances are you're doing too much and it kind of lets you know like hey i did 225 for five six workouts in a row like hey mm-hmm. what's going on it's not my sleep's on point my recovery's on point but i'm doing too much i'm doing mm-hmm. too much workout yeah yeah very are just track your lifts and just aim for progress be present at the moment and continue to listen to our podcasts. Continue to subscribe to us. Um, thank you so much, Marcos, for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the podcast with you. And it's very rare to meet someone in the fitness industry who has the same kind of energy, who has the same kind of knowledge, who's just such a great person to talk to, man. I'm glad you had me on the podcast. And I hope we can meet up soon again. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Thank you for just being on a podcast too and for, you know, sharing your wisdom. And um, I'm not telling you this before, man, you're ahead of your, you're ahead of your time at such a young age, so wise, applying everything and teaching it to other people. It's, it's incredible. I'm not going to tell you before when I was your age, I was like an alcoholic. I was a mess and I wasn't training at all. And yeah, it's of course, can't do anything about the past and I just work on what I'm doing right now. And, um, but man, you're ahead of the curve <laughs> by far, by far. And just, just keep it up, man. Just keep spreading that wisdom, keep progressing yourself and man, the sky's the limit. You got all the time in the world, all the, all the strength in the world and just keep it up, man. Good stuff. And on top of that, you're an awesome person. It was great meeting you a few weeks ago and just, just keep it up, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And if you guys want to learn a little bit more about what I talked about in my training and you want to see my day-to-day meals, what I eat on my plant-based diet and different lifts I'm hitting, you can keep up with me on my Instagram page, Andy Dita, A-N-D-I dot D-I-T-T-A. And I really appreciate you having me on here, Marcos. Till next time. Yep. Till next time. And just I'll put your your website and your Instagram on the show notes. And everyone, thank you again for listening to this awesome episode. I'm sure you got a few nuggets from all the from everything we spoke about today. And of course, as always, feel free to leave a comment, give any feedback, any ideas of any guests you want to have on the podcast or any topics you want me to speak about. And also, too, I've been considering doing two episodes a week because I have like a shitload of topics I want to talk about and uh, a lot of guests also that. I've lined up and also potentially approaching the new future since, you know, the podcast is growing. So if you want me to do two episodes a week, feel free to let me know. And also, as always, new episodes every Monday and don't forget to like, subscribe. And also shout out to everyone checking us out on YouTube and catch you guys next week. Peace.